0: Welcome to another edition of Top Lines and Tales. This week we're sponsored by Harbro, manufacturers and suppliers of quality livestock nutrition. I'd like to welcome to this week's Top Lines and Tales podcast one of the most familiar, respected, and successful names in modern cattle breeding, Neil Massey from Bleak near Arboyne in Aberdeenshire. Neil, uh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Andy.
0: Uh, and Neil, I believe you first came to Blilak in, back in 1967. And
1: My father was a, a rubber planter in Malaysia, and he was there all his working life. In fact, he had the the company of the Japs for three years, and he was a lucky man to survive that. But he yeah. was always keen on farming, and my mother was came from farming stock. In fact, she was left a small farm at Kintor by her father, and that's where I started off before I moved to Blalik in 1967.
0: And what size of farm is and
1: The, the butter farm at Kinto which I had was only 130 acres, but when we came to Blalik it was 600 acres. Uh-huh. Uh, but Blalik, when I got it, was not in very good shape. It had very no fences and no only one shed really, and so there really wasn't much. In fact, my friend Stephen Mackey came with me to look at it and after I'd looked around, he said, are you really sure about this place? So we bought it what would now look to be very, very cheap, of course. Uh-huh. But it, it's a move that I've never regretted. It's uh, it's very much a stock farm, although it grows quite good, molting badly. Okay. But uh, it really is a stock farm, and that's what we've used it as over the years.
0: Uh-huh move on to the stock then if we can chat about your, your the famous Aberdeen Angus herd I think started in the early 70s with a couple of cows from Canda Craig dispersal
1: Yeah it wasn't so much a, a, the dispersal, they, I, I really couldn't afford the dispersal once I got a couple of old cows from them that were really not going to the dispersal and that's really what we started with mm-hmm. and then uh, we then went down to the Little Dean sale and uh, there we, we purchased just about 20 twenty-odd lots, which is really about almost half the sale there. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, it was a herd. The Little Dean herd was a very interesting herd, really, because they had, at the time, the most Angus breeders fostered their calves, they didn't foster. And the cows were all uh, very natural cows. Their great thing at Little Dean was a fat stocking, really, for Smithfield show, which they won on quite a few occasions. So uh, when we bought all these cattle, the, the farm manager there at the time was a Scotsman. And he, he was very interested in us getting the cattle away up to Scotland. So that was where we started, really. And that's why we bought those cattle, because they were very natural, very milky okay. cattle.
0: And I'm right in thinking Tom Bruis was probably the only other main buyer down there at the, sale at the same time doing some uh, Well, things.
1: Tom was buying there at that sale. In fact, it was quite funny, because the auctioneer was uh, from from that area. But Rolly Fraser, there was down assisting, and when Tom Bruce bought his first lot, the guy turned to the roly and said, is that man all right for the money? <laughs> which was really quite amusing because Tom at that time was one of the leading breeders in the country, without a doubt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and both of you, of course, went on to be, uh, to be leading breeders and, and some of those animals would have back, put a backbone in your herd for a long time. And the of Craig, I think, the descendants could still be there until until, oh,
1: yes, until recently be, yes. anyway. And certainly there were a lot of the, the little demons who played a uh-huh. prominent part in the, in the development of the herd, really. Sure. But then we the following year, went up and we bought a heifer at the Balaval Dispersal, and uh, she's maybe been one of the real successes. She was in Avora, which established our Avora line, which is probably probably the best known line they have now today.
0: And that would just be a year or two after that, would it, be still, still in, the, in the early 70s?
1: Well, that was the next year, more or less, I think, if I remember rightly, it was just about the next year. But I was going away on holiday at the time and missed, missing the sale, and had to put Ian McDonald, who was my stockman at the time, up to buy the animal. Right. And I think we paid 5,000 for it, which at that time was quite a lot of money, like, you know. It would be, But, yeah. she, but she has been this the backbone of the herd, really.
0: When they're the right ones, they never dear, That's what they say, certainly.
1: Well, that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and, and if we move on to the Sharilly herd was added in 1974, would that be right? Can you tell me a bit more how that came about?
1: Uh, well, uh, you know? uh, well, I was always keen in the stock, and I was very friendly with Maitland Maggie at Western at the time. They being entrepreneurs, kind of lads had brought in the the when they started off, but as he said, he wasn't really a pedigree stockman. They were kind of running with their dairy herd, and they were almost in the way, and he sold them really very very cheap to to uh, really get them moved on. Uh, so we we had I can't remember how many there were at the time—twelve, fifteen cows or something like that. But I remember that I went down to the, a sale in Edinburgh the next month or something. Ernie Dodd whom I'd never met before was introduced to me and he offered me more than twice what I had bought for the cattle, unseen, which I very nearly took, I may say, at the time, but uh, thank God I resisted it and kept them.
0: Of course, and, and Westertown would have been, or well, they would have been one of the very first herds. And, and uh, the Mackies were the very first ones to bring the Shirelands into the country, and had to fight very hard to get them in and registered. I
1: think. Well, you? well, that's right. Yes, but uh, not, not that would have been Jimmy Mackie's, Ben's father. But they would have been more. The people did that, and Anderson yeah. Abundant was very enthusiastic with the job at the time too. But we were in quite early into the job. Not, not, the, not the first, lot, but the second phase, really. I remember getting invited to go to one of the buying things in in France by Bobby Robinson. And that was a real eye-opener for me and really got me interested in the Charlie job. At that time, he was chairman of the Charlie Society. Uh-huh. So uh, he was really, you know, he was, and, and he was, well, he became a very good friend of mine and over the years, so it was I really enjoyed that. That gave me my real interest in Charlie. Sure.
0: We'll go through those both in a little bit more detail, but I also recall you telling me you had a few
1: Romanolas for a while, wasn't there? But I do remember I had Romanolas. I wouldn't say one of my more successful ventures.
0: I remember you saying that you thought there was a market for them in Canada when you you went into the... Yeah,
1: well, but I don't think that materialised That, As I say, I don't think that was one of my brightest moves. (laughs)
0: You did go to Canada, didn't you? Maybe a little bit before the other breeders started going out. No,
1: I, I, I wouldn't say I went before because uh, John Graham and was before me and Tom Brewis and John Moores all went out before me and uh, Willie Robinson from Nightingale. But I did go out quite early and uh, I bought my first one in 1977, I think, when I went out to, to um, Regina. And I was amazed by the whole thing, and I was really taken with the cattle, and I bought this bull at auction, actually, skilimano or Revlon, and uh, I also bought a couple of heifers from them that day, too, one of them, which was proved to be very good. But Revlon was an excellent bull, not huge, but big by the British-Scottish standard at that time, and I remember Jock Campbell at Wedderley and uh, one of the Grahams coming up and looking at this beast. And, studied them for a little while, and then eventually this, one of them said, I'm going to weigh home to mend my fences in case this gets out. But he proved to be a very successful bull.
0: Yes, you said he went on to be very successful with you at Blaylep, but you weren't long before you were going back there again for for your next
1: Well, I was back in 1970. Well, I went every year. I got my friend Bob Lane by this time went to, the, to Canada in the autumn and really had a very enjoyable time. But in 1979, I went back and uh, I'd heard about this bull Wilmo powerhouse. And I went into the yard, but he hadn't arrived. And when he did arrive, I was horrified because the beast hadn't been clipped and he looked like a Galloway. But by the time they got him smoothed up, he was a different animal, and I had a bit of a job buying him, but I did get him, and he proved to be a pretty successful bull as well. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, they're masters at, at the job, aren't they? They grow in the hair on the cattle and then turning them around. And, oh, well, well, you learned learned uh, a few he, lessons from them in our younger days, I'm
1: sure. He had a tremendous amount of hair on him, anyway, but that was that. Oh. But, uh, uh-huh. but he was a successful bull, and um, we went on... And, Read a son of his powerhouses. It was the first champion I had at was Black Satan, which uh-huh. sold to Lady Glendine for 8000 on uh-huh. in an October sale when the trade was absolutely horrendous. Oh. Uh, I was president of the society that year, and I was horrified by how bad the trade was. In fact, Roly Fraser said at one point, uh, bull going bull after bull going through unsold, and Rolly Fraser said at one point, does anybody want an Aberdeen Angus bull? And that was just about the state, the lowest stage of the thing. But, was, no. uh, but eight thousand was a good price for me at that time. And, but uh, I was horrified with the rest of the trade, I must say. Mm-hmm.
0: And we'd be probably early eighties by then, Neil, I guess.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the early eighties. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: But uh, as you make... said, powerhouse left you a Perth champion. But he left you more than one, I think, didn't he?
1: Oh, he was—he was a very successful bull for us over the years. Yeah. But the Mm -hmm. the next bull brought in was Southam, Winchester Uh in 1985, I think. And he was a very, I I saw his photograph on a, on a catalogue and I phoned Jim Mowbray, who was a livestock agent out there and asked if he was going to this sale. He said he was, and I said, if the bull looks anything like this photograph, buy him. Uh It was a mature bull. And uh, but he bought him for three and a half thousand dollars. But I think it cost more than that to get him home. But he was a he was an excellent bull, and one one of the one of the favourites of mine over the years. But oh, I also yes. bought a heifer at that time called Coldstream Lady Heather. Uh-huh. She established our Lady Heather line, and uh, out of her and mated with the, uh, with Winchester, we got Lord Horatio, who sold to Weatherly Tofts and Haymount for eleven thousand guineas. And so that Lady Heather family has bred a lot of Perth champions for us over the years. So just
0: going back to the South Home Herd, you mentioned that uh, John Graham had, had been over there. And of course, he, he'd bought the entire uh, shooting from the South Home Herd uh, sometime time earlier. But, uh, yes, well, that
1: that was, that was in the early se- mid, mid-70s he would have done that. Uh-huh. Uh, but he was the first man that really took in a powerful load of stuff. And, it's had a huge influence now, it had. I mean, it's all been good. We bought a lot of bulls, not me entirely, but collectively, British breeders bought a lot of bulls that were very extreme. Mm-hmm. But they did a lot of good to the, our breed, the, 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 they produced a lot of pretty horrible looking beasts sometimes. But we got milk back into the breed, which had been lost, and we got size back in. And since over the years, we've begun to get the shape back into them again, without a doubt, mm-hmm. which has been very important for us, I think.
0: A long evolutional story, hasn't it? You've got to go back right up to, to the extremes to, to get them back in from, from the extreme well, they've gone I, to, of course.
1: I think that's what had happened then. Another very good bull I brought in, of course, was Royal Added Value. Yes. He he came in in 94, and he, he he's maybe had a huge influence now it had over the years. Um, he, he, um, he wasn't a massive bull, but he was really a classy bull out of a very, very good cow. And, uh, well we sold him to Shadwell eventually for f- far more than we bought him and he uh, went on to be at eight years old I think he was champion of the royal show for Shadwell.
0: That's right and he bred bred. I think a son for 16,000 did he not innovation?
1: Yeah well yeah he did that's correct yes huh? no, He was, he, and he left but his females were the best bit of him he left a lot of very good females. And a lot of milk into them too. You know, he was an important bull, mm-hmm.
0: uh-huh. and did well. Did a lot of good for Shadwell as well as just the, the show ring. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: well, it, he, he. He. By that time, Shadwell were really beginning to motor and becoming a good herd, and he. He. He was an influential bull for them. too. they had him for two, three years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another bull we brought in just after, but that time was a bull called DMM Decision. Yeah. Uh, and he, well, I judged at farm fair that year. And he wasn't actually in the show, uh, but my son Graham, Graham was with me and he had been looking around the show and seen this bull. And then he was horrified because he thought he was out of a red cow because he saw him standing in a pen. And We went to Miller's the next day or two and he said he would really liked this bull, but uh, he was out of a red cow. And said, no, he's not out of a red cow, oh, but all the time I' standing in a different stall when they were mucking out his stall. <laughs> so great. we bought him that year, and he, he he did a lot of good to have too. You
0: bought him after he the show, then I guess.
1: Privately, he wasn't in the show, as it so happened. Oh. But uh, he was uh, he he really turned into being a very very good bull, and uh, he bred well. One year we had three four bull calves born, just one after the other, and they all went on to do very well. But there was a champ championer to them, and another bulls at making quite big money at that time too so he, he, he was he, he was another bull that did a lot of good for us
0: and, and am I right in calculating that I think you've won 12 Perth and Stirling champions with uh, Angus Yes,
1: we've, right. we've yeah. been very lucky over the years yeah we have and I think we've had five or six reserves as well so you know we've been, we've been quite very lucky in that respect
0: mm-hmm. I don't think it's luck at all you've got some good bulls to put your herd right but you, that was uh only ever equaled, I think, by Jay Kerr from Harveston, and we spoke about him on this podcast a few months ago. And he had well, a spell at the job, maybe, than you did. But yeah, oh,
1: well, but he did. Yeah, did but he did, but, but he, he did also. But he had the disadvantage. Of only having one path sale a year and i've been lucky with two path sales a year so <laughs> i got two chances at it but he only got one but that's
0: very he, honest, was, he,
1: he, he was a very master breeder mr Kerr. Uh-huh. he was just you know on the way out when i more or less when i started so i didn't have much meetings well, with him
0: he certainly was the uh, top of the breed for something now 60 years i think but then having said that you you've had sort of a good 40 years at the top of it too so
1: yeah, well, I've been fifty years here at Lellic now, over fifty years at Lellic. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, another bull, Angus bull, got his uh, black element topped price of so probably a modern day record at twenty eight thousand. Was he a modern day? 50, well, i no,
1: no, I don't think it's a record, but it's, it's, it's been our best price certainly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. We've had twenty five thousand a couple of times and bull called Lord Hildalgo by a broil- added Value. He 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 was a very good bull. Uh-huh. Logie bought him. And he was he he was one of the better ones of bred too, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. and famous bull nether allen peter pershaw you you bought him at Perth, I think despite him not winning a prize of
1: him oh well, yeah, well, funny enough they were they were selling up that year, and I'd gone down to look at the cattle there, and I saw this bull standing there, and he wasn't in very big form or anything, and I came home and said to Graham, "I think I've seen a bull that we should be buying so." Uh, we did buy him. He didn't have a ticket, certainly. When we got him for ten thousand. I was surprised have to pay so much, but somebody else liked him too. Sure. But he, no, he, he he was he he turned out to be very very influential as well. Yeah.
0: He was full of Willie Robertson's uh, breeding in Nightingale. I think wasn't he?
1: Yeah. Well, he was. Yes, and Willie kept telling me how much <laughs> he'd done. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was. No, no. Willie was Willie did very well in the job too, but he was full of you know, with his breeding. Yeah, yeah he gave, Well, he was bought. He he was out of an embryo that the chap had bought from Willie. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you but you know, did. he but he, he 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 wasn't the best looking bull. There was just something with that bull, and he he bred fantastically well. And I mean, we sold a hell of a lot of semen off him too. And I mean, that I think there's been well on to 17 or 1800 calves registered off him. I think. So. Phenomenal.
0: Phenomenal in, he's in, in
1: this breed, that's quite a lot like, you know. He,
0: his sons dominated the sales, didn't they? And he's in just about every pedigree, probably still is in just about every pedigree, if you go. Yeah,
1: yes, I have, yeah. Uh-huh. No, I think that's correct, yeah. No, uh-huh. no, he's, he's did a powder good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: more recently, I've listed a bull, Blilak Duke. Uh, it had a huge influence across the breed. And...
1: Well, he's he was a result of Graham going out to, uh, to the O'Neill Ranch and stayed with Mr O'Neill out there. Mr O'Neill, I'd met him at our sale in Canada and uh, he he, he didn't hide his light under a bushel did Mr Uh, O'Neill. But he had good cattle and Graham had a very good week staying there and he saw a bull called Antidote standing in the A.I. Centre which was one of their bulls. Graham actually thought he was a Galloway because he had so much hair on him, but they said he was an Angus so we bought semen off him and then Graham uh, got a few of the O'Neill cows flushed. And Duke was the result of one of these flushes, right. so so he's he was he was very influential. And then of course, when he had his Graham had his uh, uh, reduction sale in six, 2016, there was an O'Neill cow which had come on as an embryo here, was the top price. She was the one who made forty-five thousand. Right. Well, she made thirty-five thousand. her bull calf made ten thousand. Yeah.
0: So yeah she, well, I and Duke did have uh, an influence across the breed, Indian, I believe. Well, he's, people still he's, using he, him today, or trying well,
1: he, to. Yeah, no, he's been used quite widely. Yeah, we should have had more semen off him too. But he, hmm. no, he 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 was a good bull. Yeah, mm-hmm. we And you're going him.
0: back to to your your the, the female reduction sales of which you had uh, you had quite a few over the years, and black animals put in the backbone in in a lot of other herds. And uh,
1: well, Graham, Graham, since Graham took over the job, he's he's always believed in. in Moving stuff on and changing stuff around, so he had a sale in 2012 and another in 2016. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that the the, yeah, the 2016 one was the, the big sale, but mm-hmm. we were very very lucky that day. And it, uh, one outfit came in and bought a huge number mm-hmm. of them. And the hell heard and they bought more than, not almost half the sale, but well on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they 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 made the sale that day.
0: And was it Bleak Erie that made uh, thirty two thousand went to John Loftus? Would I be right? On that?
1: Yes, yeah, She that was a a, a sale game had on the farm in two thousand twelve. Right. And she made thirty two thousand. But then she she really did very very well for for John. And of course he flushed her to death and had lots uh. of daughters and things off her. So. John John was a very influential man for a wee while in the breed, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. was a great help to people by buying cattle. And sell. He, he liked he liked to trade cattle. John
0: uh, certainly had a lot of good animals, and of course, in his dispersal then there was a, I think like a a black bed line was it again through through John Loftus that was. Responsible for this year's Highland Showcase champion from Richard Hassel and Rachel Wiley. That's, in fact, that's right. In fact, I think Blee Lack just about underpinned, or Breeding was behind just about all the winners on the show this year. So it's, it's
1: well, awesome. luckily, well, at the Yorkshire too, apparently we had a bull sold to Donald Rankin last year, was the male champion there, so, and, and reserve overall to the to the, the Hassel heifer. So uh-huh. we, had a, we had a clean sweep, yes. At the, at the, but mind you... There have been bigger shows than there were this year, of course, sure. things turned out. Mm-hmm.
0: True enough. And you had your share in, in the show ring yourself. Of course, you did show for a while. I think you gave it up back in the... Was it back in 2000 when you sort of gave it the show ring, but you Well, I, I,
1: I kind of gave up the showing. I, we've had a bit of luck with the Highland and the Royal. We've had champions of both. Uh-huh. Maybe more more than one. But, um, but Graham took it up again when his, his, his daughter Haley was kind of keen for a wee while. And so we had a bit of showing at the Highland then, and we have a bull called like, Valak Agitist that won, won at the Highland that year. So we've had a bit of luck at the Highland, yeah. But we haven't and we haven't shown regularly there.
0: I remember first meeting you, Neil, when in when we were in the sheep, and you were pretty hot in the rouge breed going back. The oh, breed. There was uh, I, I, you had a few breeds, did think.
1: I said, I wouldn't say we were hot. We had, we had we did have rouge for a while. I don't think I was cut out by the shepherd. Uh, but myself. But we had a week go at the blues as well, but we were too yeah. late into them really. And uh-huh. I wouldn't say we made a great a great fist of either of them. Graham was in Graham was in Suffolk for a wee while he eh, and he was great friends with the late Gordon Wilson. Uh-huh. And he kind of bought some old news from Gordon to start with and but he he rapidly lost enthusiasm after Gordon died yeah. and decided to sell them and he had a I was in Canada at the time he sold them in Carlisle. And he, he said he would the happiest half hour he'd had for a long time because he made <laughs> quite a lot of money. And uh, that was due yeah. to the influence of Gordon, not us. Gordon, that, his Gordon was a
0: very able man. I remember, remember him well. I think he was just getting into yeah. Texas just before he died as well. Which, yeah, he was,
1: his, yeah. his brother's yeah. involved in that. Uh, well, that's right. His brother's made a big job of them too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So and, and,
0: and the Rouge and the Blues are coming back, Neil, and maybe a chance to get back into them again.
1: Yeah, well, we're, we're probably too late, but it's not any good at all. Uh, Charlie Borden will be in, so it'll be all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying nothing to that one. Let's move swiftly on to the Charolais cattle. And we spoke about some of the early Charolais on a previous podcast, and it was agreed by everybody, I think, that Tattenhall Impeccable was probably the most one of the most influential bulls of all time. And uh, you had a son of his made victorious. Uh, in fact, wasn't he an ET cover from remember right I don't...
1: Yeah, well, yeah, well, we Mary Victorious, Yeah, but we had before, prior to him the first really influential Charlie Buller, but was TV Lysander. You yeah. know, he was a very good-looking bull. I went to herd of the two of the herds, and I tried to buy him, but and Robert de Pass, who said no, he couldn't sell him because he would know, already got a late entry into the Bingley Hall sale with him, so he'd have to go there. So I said, oh, well, that was fine, but. Unfortunately, that was the week after an October sale in Stanley and I got a hellish bad dose of the flu, and James Anderson of Burnton, I'd asked him if you'd like a share in this bull. And he said, oh, well, if it, if it looked all right, he would have a go. But he he went to the sale himself and he uh, said, phoned me at night and said, well, it'll be no use The bull's champion. I said, oh, well, you must be quite good then. So he said, well, I said, what do you put into him? He said, oh, 5,000 was his top. And I said, well, well, go to 15 if you have to, and uh, we'll we'll split that, I'll just pay the rest. But anyway, we got him for 12, and he just paid the half. So he was very successful, but he did even more for for, uh, James than we, because he got 28,000 for a bull to go to Ireland off of the first lot of calves off him. I did quite well off him, but not as good as James did. And then he went on to be Highland Show champion to T.B. Lysander. So he, he was a good bull. And I've got a wonderful picture of him in my office, painted by a nice lady. But, the, the, but Merdi Victorious was, was the most successful. But I was, champ- I was judged that day at Sterling when I bought him. And I got him for 5500 which was the second top price of the sale. But it was the last year before the Charlie prices took off. Uh-huh. so uh, I was pretty lucky and uh, Esmer Evans keeps telling me how lucky I was So, but he was a very influential bull and bred very well his first crop of calves I think averaged over 5 or 6 thousand I think so he he, he did very well you know? and
0: that's... That's in the early 80s, as you said, before the breed yes. really caught fire. And, uh, well, that's I, right. I looked him up, and there was, I think there were 1,300 pedigree cows registered off him. So that's some going. in. There's a lot of semen out there, too. Well,
1: that, yeah, well, that's right. Well, a little story there. We did sell a lot of semen off him. And I, but I opened up, to see what the hell I was selling, I opened up an account at the bank. He just put the proceeds of the semen into that. And my wife went in one day to in some checks and she said to the girl put this into the semen account which caused a little bit of merriment in the bank that day i think <laughs> so uh, anyway the semen account did quite well for a year or two yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: good and other uh, bulls I, i'm not quite so up on your on the history of the the is it really like what other bulls that influenced the, the herd after that
1: well we, we used one or two homebred bulls too like really over the years
0: and, and Neil, you've won three champions at Perth with Charolais, I think, and sold bulls to twenty five thousand,
1: twenty two thousand. Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah, uh-huh, we have. We've, we've, the, we had a very good bull, which made twenty one thousand. But the twenty five thousand bull was not the best bull we've ever bred, but he made the best price. Uh-huh. But the twenty one thousand bull was a really good bull, and he went. He went unfortunately, and and just I was away at the sale at Carlisle, and the phoned me up and said the bull had jumped a fence and been caught, and thought he'd broken his leg. Okay. Well, when I got home, discovered it wasn't broken, but it was, it was he was very lame. He took him down to the Dick Vet, and and he was there for three weeks, mm-hmm. and then he went on to be Perth Champion after that, which was okay. quite impressive.
0: Indeed. Uh, and and moving on, you also started a herd of of shorthorns. at Brie. like Maybe that was a little bit more of Graham's influence, was it? There was some. Well, that was
1: that was Graham's influence, but. Uh, we didn't keep them that long. I think we should have kept them longer because the Shorthorn breed has made a big comeback. Uh, yeah. But we bought we bought some the first ones we bought from Chris Madler down in south of England. Chris was yeah. a great enthusiast for Shorthorns, uh-huh. so we we bought from him originally, and we added one or two to them. But we never got terribly serious with them. But we we ha- we showed them at the Highland, and we had a heifer that was junior champion at the, at the Highland show. Uh, so that was quite good. And we had a bull that we bought and he went on to the Highland Show Champion. So he, mm-hmm. he, he was a good bull too. So we we're just getting into the thing and, and Graham decided when he had his sixteen uh, sale that he was going to reduce things and uh-huh. he sold the shorthorns as well. We sold uh-huh. them all to one man. So that was that was just a, quite a good deal too. No, they did all right for us. And I, as I say, I think the shorthorns have a big comeback. We should have kept them.
0: I was going to say, did you did you envisage seeing them as strong as they are now? Because you're right, they're the hot property just at the moment, aren't
1: they? Well, they are. Yeah, no. At the, the time we went in, they were just beginning to start off, and uh, we, we paid at sales. We paid five thousand twice for cows, I think, and that at that time was a pretty big sale for short on mm. Yeah,
0: because
1: they'd fallen away really pretty badly. Uh, of course, they had the influence of the main Anjou in them for a year or two as well. Yes, uh, Bill Bruce at Bill mile had had a very good set of short horns, which was really based on Maine Anjou. But they were very impressive cattle.
0: Uh, some of the Canadian blood, of course, would have come in. There'd be a slightly different different beast coming in from Canada, I guess.
1: Well, that's right. Yeah. Uh, well, I remember when the Canadian ones came in first. Mary Darno of Upper Mill, she was horrified at these beasts. And they would never have never have them. But mm-hmm. after a year or two, she had them as well. So you mm-hmm. know. Similar story to
0: the Angus, I suppose, when they'd got them into the state that they had in the 60s and, and maybe they didn't just, the breed didn't write itself quite as quickly as the Angus did.
1: Probably not, but, they, you know, they had really dropped off in very small numbers and now now they're almost as strong as the Angus, number-wise, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're selling more and more bulls each year. Uh, you know, they were down to selling only a handful of bulls and this last sailor too, they've sold quite a lot of bulls, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people going into short hunts, I mean, oh. it's an easy-kept breed and suit a lot of people.
0: I mentioned the Highland Show just now. How many champions at the Highland Show would you would you have taken over the years,
1: uh, Neil? Three, three or four, I think, is the maximum yeah. we've had at the Highland. But one had at the Royal as well. Uh-huh. We've never shown it to Yorkshire. But as I say, we haven't never really been a, that interested in summer showing. But no. we've, we've done a bits and pieces, but not, not really too, too bothered
0: with it, no. If you can sell sell the cattle on and let other people show them for you, then that does the talking for you, it doesn't it?
1: Well, yeah, but, uh, you know, I, we probably should show more than we do, but uh, it's it's a, it's a field that I was never just very excited about, No, know, to breed cattle to, to to breed, you know.
0: And moving on to the now, then, Graham's been running the farm for a while now, as you said, and he took the decision to, to sell the majority of the cows and. Twenty sixteen. Is that because his children weren't interested in going into farming? Would that be? A-
1: they, they weren't. They weren't interested in going into farming. Healy enjoyed showing cattle, but that was it. Like she wouldn't want to be a farmer, but she was quite good at showing cattle. But she didn't want to. So he, that we did a bit of showing when she was younger, and keen to do it. Now she's away and hasn't time, and Jack isn't isn't keen on farming at all. So. I knew it was going to be sold sometime. I wasn't expecting it to be sold in my lifetime, but but uh, Graham's had a bit ill health, and uh, he says he's not not so fit to do the job, and and he's, and he's not. And uh, there's a great difficulty in getting really good men these days. I mean, there are good men around, but they're very expensive. So you know, and, and frankly, the price of bulls really hasn't risen as it should have done over the years. I mean, we were selling bulls at the price that we are now 10 to 20 years ago, really. So, uh-huh. You know, they they so, haven't moved nearly enough, I don't think. So, the other thing, of course, is that there's there are really too many people breeding pedigree cattle and trying to sell bulls now when you see the size of the suckler herd reducing yeah. all the time. Well, yeah.
0: I think the same Same can be said with the sheep. We've had this conversation with a few people in, in the sheep, the same thing, everybody's buying sheep and trying to produce tops, and there's just not enough, not enough females to go in.
1: No, if you can produce the right tops, it seems to be better to be in sheep than cattle, I would say. There's <laughs> a lot of
0: wastage, I'm sure. A lot of wastage, but uh, a lot of flushing too and a lot of cost. Oh, I'm sure
1: there are. I'm sure there are.
0: And going back to that dispersal, and I think the charolets were completely dispersed, I'd be right, in 2016, 43 lots averaged nearly... 5,000, and again, they went and put the backbones in, in a lot of other herds.
1: Well, yeah, we, we were a little unfortunate with the sale of them because it was just the time that they were wanting to speak about having smaller carcasses and things, and the, the, the edge was off the Charlie for a wee minty. Mm-hmm. So we, we'd sold his autumn carving lot in Carlisle two years before. Mm-hmm. and we averaged over 7,000 for them, so right. there, there was a bit of a reduction just at that time. It mm-hmm. was sold the same day as our, our very successful uh, Angus sale, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, we couldn't say we were disappointed because we'd got so much for the Angus, but well, I was a bit disappointed with what the Charlies made that day.
0: Mm-hmm. You did sell the stock bull for 30,000, though,
1: Ah uh, well, that's right. Well, we were lucky again there, you see, just... Uh, Major Walter was kind of keen on him, I think, and, he, and Danny Sorridge so that made, a, made him a good. We did very well with stock bulls because he made 30,000 and the other one made 13 and I we pay six for it. So it was a good deal and uh, he bred well and the, and the third one with three stock bulls he went away to. 8,000 or something, so the, the, the stock did very well, yes. That,
0: that doesn't always work, and and you and you mentioned the Angus herd, and most was dispersed that year, I think, and that was a big trade, somewhere up near 7,000, did you say, for the average for the Angus, but you still kept a few younger Angus then. So. We
1: kept all, we, no, we kept all the young ones, Right. and we've built them up quite quickly again, and we, you know, he's dispersing in October, well, he's going, he'll have between 60 and 70 cows and calves to sell, and I think there are thirty, thirty yearling heifers being bulled so and a few maidens. So you know, there'll be there'll be 120 lots probably altogether. Okay. So it's built up quite quickly again. Yeah. I think it, the herd is maybe every bit as strong as it was then, with a lot of very, I think, a lot of very good cattle to put in the market. Okay. So. We'll see how it goes when the time comes. And
0: and that's in, in Sterling in October, did you say?
1: S- selling at the October sale, yes. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: and yourself, Neil, you're still involved in the in, in the cattle. You're still going to keep an eye over them every day and keep acting well, amongst them.
1: I keep I keep annoying them. Yes, I can go up. I go up every morning and and uh, well, I think I do good. I'm not sure, but I enjoy it. And uh, I don't know what I'm going to do when they go, but we'll have to find something to fill in the days. But I don't, I don't usually go up in the afternoon unless there's something special on. But yeah. at this time of year, I love it because I I do all the fields and see all the cattle, so I enjoy doing that. And in the winter time, I play about with bulls and things, and uh-huh. that's been my life for a long time. Yeah. Um, but I've been very fortunate. I've twice been president of the Angus Society, and I've been chairman of the Charolais Society, so I've, I've been very lucky. I, mm-hmm. I had the, had and, the,
0: and your other son, of course, Mike, runs a, a herd of charolais and limousins as well, very successfully.
1: Mike Mike has built up very good herds of both. His, his charolais are doing particularly well at the moment. Mm. Uh, and he, he says it's very hard to get into the type of limousins that that uh, are making the most money because, they, well, they're, they're commanding big fees, but... Yeah. He, but he's done very well with both breeds, and he, he he's an incredibly hard worker, so he deserves all the success he's been getting. You know. uh-huh. and, and I hope he keeps them going. But he just uh, lives a little bit far away from me to go and see him every day. So. Sure.
0: And, and the farm bleelac it, it, itself is up for sale now, and will the bleelac prefix go with the with
1: that uh, near no no sell. highly unlikely because that's that's, that's not likely if somebody's going to buy the whole herd of it if, if somebody's buying the whole herd you'd put the prefix with it but but no I'm afraid not I don't it
0: wouldn't think. go with a sale no with a farm no
1: no 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 no, no. Oh. well unless somebody's wanting to start uh, an Angus herd but they they, they would have to apply it to the society I think to get it so okay. if you sell a whole herd you can sell the prefix with it I think okay. um, Certainly the upper mill did that with the short horns. So.
0: Well, Neil, I certainly uh, wish you well with it. You've received an OBE and the Sir William Young Award for Livestock Breeding and hugely successful achievement in building one of the most successful prefixes probably of all time. And The, the name Bleelac will live on for a long time in, in history books and I appreciate you, you talking to me.
1: Well, thank you very much. I've been very fortunate and I've been lucky to get these awards. I mean, sometimes you wonder why you're picked to get them, but but uh, it's nice when it happens, and it's, it's quite good. But I've thoroughly enjoyed my time in the Angus breed and in the Shorthair breed too, yeah. and even in the Shorthorns. So, uh, cattle breeding's been my passion my whole life. As I said, we'd have dabble in sheep, but I don't think I was cut out to be a shepherd. So, uh, yeah, I think we'll leave leave that to the, to the people that are better at it. <laughs>
0: Uh, I'd like to wish Graham a happy retirement too. Tells me he's not retiring.
1: He's uh, he's certainly not retiring. He, he, he's far too young to retire. Good God! What would he do? He's got to get himself somewhere else. To... But he will. He's going to have a little sabbatical. He says. So we'll see what. what...
0: I thought I'd retired ten years ago, and I work harder now than I ever did when I was working before. So see, look
1: at that, Andy. There it is. Oh, well, but you're you're doing a good job, and, and thank you very much for for having us on. Okay.
0: Neil, that's very kind of you, and uh, thanks
1: for your time today. Thank you very much, Andy. Bye, just
0: Bye now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast, which was kindly sponsored by Harbro, suppliers of quality commercial and pedigree feeds and expert nutritional advice. Visit their website or find them on Facebook for more information. And while on the subject of Facebook, why don't you visit the Top Lines and Tails Facebook page, where you'll find photographs and more information to back up this episode.